Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's time for Come and Talk It with your host, Michael Cargill, brought to you by Texas Law Shield. Over the last decade, Michael has championed and supported the rights of law-abiding Texans to own and use firearms. He is the owner of Central Texas Gunworks, a veteran of the United States Army, and has achieved national exposure in such prestigious media outlets such as Forbes Magazine, Fox Business News, CNN Money, AOL, BBC World News, Huffington Post, and the New York Times. Cargill vigorously defends lawful gun ownership in this country without regard to party politics. And now, here's Michael Cargill. There we go. Good afternoon, Austin, Texas, live music capital of the world. Let's praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. Now, this past weekend, I attended the Texas State Rifle Association's annual general meeting. And while the TSRA has been a long-standing defender of the Second Amendment, there is a very obvious problem with the target demographic for this organization. Along with many other such organizations, a problem that will effectively kill the TSRA and its legacy in just 5 to 10, max 20 years. It's longevity. Will the TSRA and other organizations begin to extend its lifespan into the future with the recruitment of more young individuals? Millennials are largely considered to be fairly anti-gun, especially in major cities such as Austin. But that assumption might not be so accurate. As we know, more people from the left side of the aisle are turning towards firearms as a means of self-preservation in this changing administration. Now, that means that more people at a grassroots level, more gun owners and more people opening up to a previously misunderstood idea. This new generation will require us to pay attention to them for our own interest just as much as theirs. Now, it doesn't reinforce a sense of optimism to see the population of a major gun rights organization in Texas be almost exclusively occupied by people of a completely different generation. And it's not enough to reach out to youngsters of a military background. Most military millennials are already pro-gun individuals. You're not changing anyone's mind. Now, granted, without their support on some topics, We should be at a larger disadvantage. But seriously, why is the next generation so poorly represented in their ranks? Hillary Clinton commonly likes to say the future is female. And to that, I say the future is not female. The future is young. If the Texas State Rifle Association don't make an attempt to get millennials on their board, that organization will cease to exist in 20 years. As Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. once said, the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, 
but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. Today, on the show, we have an interview with a repeat guest, someone who is reaching out to a new underrepresented demographic of potential gun rights advocates. And that's going to be Maj Ture, leader and founder of Black Guns Matter. And we're going to we'll bring that interview a little later on to the show. But I want to bring to the mic now Justin, uh, Justin with Lone Star Gun Rights to talk to us about the difference between these two bills. You have House Bill 1911. You also have House Bill 375, uh, the tale of two bills. And I, I need a bell here going ding, 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 the tale of two tapes. So as I look at House Bill 375, the constitutional carry bill that says, hey, uh, without a license, you don't need a license or anything to carry a handgun in the state of Texas. And it's, it seems to be pretty simple. It is, and that was the point of it. Was It was for it to be simple, so, so it's easily understandable. And what it means is, if you're legally allowed to possess a firearm within the state of Texas, you can carry. That's, okay. that's as simple as it gets. And then we have House Bill 1911. House Bill 1911 adds a lot of requirements in order to, in order to be able to carry to that. There's a lot going in there. There's a lot that says, well, first you got to be a resident of the state of Texas within six months. That's correct. And the in the current bill that is submitted and filed right now, yes, there's thir- there's 13 requirements, and one of those is you have to be a resident of the state of Texas for six months. Let's hope you don't live down near a border town. <laughs> you know, and, and there's a there's some other requirements in there as well. I mean, if you're just charged with a crime, charged with a crime charged not convicted charged yes a class, you've been arrested a class a or b misdemeanor uh just charged with that you will not get your rights back until uh until you've been proven innocent or five years or five years until it goes to court until it goes to court okay and see i have a problem with that yeah and then you have um well realistically if you got a if you got a class a or b if you if you spend a year and a half two years fighting that and then you get charged it's going to be five years on top of that Oh, wow. See what I'm saying, Mike? I wonder if it's actually going to be seven, because with a handgun license, if you get your license revoked, it's actually seven years. You know, if you if you turn it in before they revoke it, you lose it for five years. But if you you don't turn it in before they revoke it, before you receive that letter, then it's seven years. Yeah. I I wonder if it's a little longer. The thing that disappoints me the most about this HB 1911 is they're trying they're trying to call it and they're trying to claim that it's a constitutional carry bill, which it is not. We we're calling it a privileged enough to carry bill and we personally will not be supporting it. And there's some other things that are on that list as well that uh, man, that rings true. And that's going to be. Let's see. Let me pull up the little list of things because it says, hey, all right. So you can't be a convicted felon. Okay, you have to be at least 21 years of age. And so you can't be charged with the commission of a class A or B misdemeanor. And that's and that to me, that's that's pretty serious for a lot of people. We're talking charge. So let's say I go outside the door here and I yell at someone across the parking lot and I call them the F word or, you know, I use some other word profanity. That means I can lose my gun rights for five years. Yeah, absolutely. For, so for I, something that's completely unaffiliated. So if I go outside this door and I, you know, flip someone off. That that's that's disorderly conduct. That means I can lose my gun rights for five years. And look at the rest of the stuff under disorderly conduct as well. If you get a second, look that up. I mean, there's there's quite a few things there that are just kind of kind of ridiculous that you would lose your gun rights over them. Yeah. And what about all the guys that uh, get charged by APD for DWI and aren't even intoxicated at all? If they're charged with that, well, 
now they're in a whole world of hurt. So we're talking any abusive language, any indecent, profane, vulgar language. Uh, you yell it out that loud in, in, in a public place, you lose your gun rights for five years. If you're charged with this, yes. just charged, not convicted. Okay, uh, You make an offensive gesture. That's a middle finger. If you're charged with this. That's constitutionally protected by the First Amendment, though. But if you're charged <laughs> with this, you lose your gun rights for five years. If you fart. So what if it's dismissed? <laughs> so it's it, you're charged the very next day. Yeah, that doesn't happen. You don't bam, get, you don't get you dropped the next day. It doesn't get dropped the next day. It never happens like that. Yeah, it takes a long okay. time for that to go to court. Okay. Two weeks. Two months. It I, probably won't be two weeks either. Because uh, I remember saying, my, my class B misdemeanor case that happened when I got arrested at the Capitol for carrying a black powder pistol. Mm-hmm. They were trying to uh, charge me with, uh, with trespassing with... Uh, they added something else onto there. I don't remember what, but I got the charges drop, and that that took me over over a year. I, I, people better wake up and really pay attention because uh, this is uh, yes, sir, boss. Uh, no, sir. Yes, sir. No, sir. I better not do that, sir. What this is, and I'll I'll call it out. I don't care. This is just Terry wanted to get his name on the bill passed. Well, I don't know anything about that. I don't know who's responsible for writing the bill. I, I, do. I don't care about that. All I'm looking crap. at is the face of the bill. Is well, you all mean, we need is constitutional carry passed and all this. All this does is just make it more deceptive and make it harder for us, people that want constitutional carry, to know who we need to go after to try to get this stuff passed. Well, one of the most uh, ridiculous things on here, too, is under disorderly conduct, it says unreasonable noises. Like, that's all it says. Unreasonable noises. Is that you getting up too early in the morning and doing some construction on your house and the police roll up and they think that the noise you're making is unreasonable? I mean, who who determines what's reasonable? Is there a decibel level attached to this? Yeah, if you you get up at at (laughs) 7 o'clock in the morning, you're cutting your grass. That's unreasonable noise. Start your car up that doesn't have, you know, has a a loud exhaust or something like that on it. I mean, would that be, would that lose your rights? I mean, that's that's all it says. What about your dog barking? That's unreasonable. Man, my, my neighbor's dog, he barks. It pisses me off. Hey, you know. So what you're saying is <laughs> it's unreasonable. If, if I'm anti-gun and I have, and, and I'm anti-gun and my neighbor is pro-gun, you know, and they just piss me off, I'll just call the police, mm-hmm. you know, and I'll just have a police come over and and, and charge him with something. He's making unreasonable noises. He's making unreasonable <laughs> noises, and he flipped me off. Yeah, oh, it's crazy. I'm sorry, I, I went too long. I apologize. But yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll we're running a little later. Okay, yeah, that's that's just crazy. That's that's insane to me. Okay, and I'll, and then there's some other things that are on there, you know, because uh, there's a uh, oh, man you making a reasonable noise, just like we just talked about fights with another in public place. So if you have a disturbance with someone and they say, hey, you know what, um, you guys touch each other, you're, you're fighting, you know, you, you lose your gun rights for five years, you discharge that firearm in a public place. If you're in Travis County. And you discharge your firearm. They can. Char- they love charging you with discharging a firearm in, in you know, in in the public. Well, real quick too, Mike. How many police officers have you seen arrest somebody for not understanding what disorder, what what uh, display of a firearm, where it says disorderly conduct section H there, where it says display of a firearm in a manner calculated to cause alarm? How many right. how many law enforcement officers officers have you seen misinterpret that portion where it says in a manner? calculated to cause alarm because mm. i know quite a few people personally that have been arrested for that just for open carrying a handgun right and and, and well we did we had a uh, one of our guys that was at a protest at university of texas campus and he was just holding up a sign is all he was doing wasn't yeah. saying anything didn't make any gestures he was just holding up a sign he said you know what you're standing too close to someone else holding that sign so uh dis- they charged him with a what was it uh trespassing criminal yeah. trespass criminal trespass 
you lose your gun rights for five years. If you pay your sales tax late, you file the report late, you lose your gun rights for five years. Business owners. If business owners, if you if you pay the sales tax late, <laughs> you lose your gun rights for five years. You know, uh, let's see. If you're behind one payment on child support. Do not moon anyone. Those people that want it, you know, want it to uh, go down to the Capitol and and moon Donald Trump. If you do that, you lose your gun rights for five years. Let's see. <laughs> you enter a property of another. <laughs> you lose your gun rights for five years. So uh, this is some serious stuff here. So I, I don't know. I, I don't like this bill at all. I don't think this is a good bill. This HB 1911 needs to be burned. And I, I and. People always, you know, I know someone's going to get upset and they'll say, well, Mike, you know, this is a, a this is a strong conservative who wrote this bill. But you know what? Uh, if Moms Demand Action uh, agrees with you, if uh, Texas Gun Sense likes this bill, then you know what? That's a problem. That's a serious problem. That's a mega problem. So you might want to check yourself at the front door. Uh, this is not a good bill. It needs to be burned and we need to uh, do something totally different. You don't give away the kitchen sink right out the door. You're just you walking out. You're just giving them everything, you know, and then say, well, we're going to we're going to fight our claw our way back. We're going to spend six years trying to clean up this mess from this House Bill 1911. If this passes six years to trying to clean this up, this is actually going to hurt people. This bill is more harmful then you're better off keeping your handgun license than actually carrying constitutionally under this bill. Yeah. That's the bottom line. Yeah. So I, it's terrible. So I, I'm sorry, Representative uh, White, this is a terrible bill. Need to go back to the drawing board. Might want to burn this sucker and start all over again. So this bill. Or just uh, push 375 that's been, been submitted since November. And I don't understand what the problem is there. Why don't you come on board? There's already a good bill that's out there. Come on board, join that bill. You know, and push that bill for it. Instead, you come that, around with this little piece of crap here that I don't even want to wipe my butt with. And the majority of uh, gun rights organizations in Texas support 375. It's it's honestly, it's a minority of gun right or the minority of organizations that actually support 1911. I mean, we've already we've already made the deal where we're already we're already all on board with HB 375. At least the the more pro Second Amendment gun groups in Texas, I would say. And all you people that owe those tolls, yeah, you haven't paid your toll bill, ah. Man, yeah, let that go a little too long. You're going to lose your gun rights for five years. Thank you, John. I really appreciate that. So it's just, you know, uh, something's going on here. Something smells. I don't like it. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what chess game you guys are playing. But you know what? We're not smelling it. Not playing it. Not going to play it at all. Not this session. No, we're calling you out from the get-go, from the beginning. This is a lousy bill. Representative White, you need to redo this bill. This is ridiculous. It's got to go. We're not going to stand for it at all. Yeah, it doesn't do anything to advance gun rights. Nothing, nothing, nothing. It's just, if you're going to advance gun rights in Texas, then don't put more restrictions and don't take people's gun rights away for being charged with something. I mean, this bill does nothing to help our cause. How can a pro-gun group put forth a bill that isn't pro-gun? That doesn't make any sense. And, And the last time I checked, we have Republican majorities in both chambers. Is yeah. that right? Uh-huh. Don't, don't we don't we have a Republican governor? And there's no I'm, reason I'm positive. Don't we have one. a Republican speaker? We've yep. got a Republican yep. uh uh Dan Patrick's Republican. I mean, we've got Republicans in both chambers. This should be a no-brainer. I mean, this is already a legislative priority for a Republican Party of Texas, constitutional carry. 
And, well, Dan Patrick should no come out saying that he doesn't think there's support for it. And we should not have to get on our knees and beg a Republican, a conservative-controlled legislature to pass a pro-gun bill. We're talking about constitutional carry. Talking about House Bill 1911. We're talking about House Bill 375. We're talking pros and cons. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. All right, so let me bring into the conversation Maj Touré. Maj Touré is with Black Guns Matter. Uh, so Maj is one of those people, just like me, that believes that more guns equals less crime. So Maj, how did you get into dealing in firearms? And, and by the way, welcome to the Come and Talk It show once again. Hey, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Um, I, I got into to firearms education just based on you know a lot of my friends catching the same case. You know, um, they miss in the summer because of a simple possession charge, you know, um, not even because they're, you know, they're violent guys or things like that. But, you know, in Philly, you have to have a license to carry if you're, you know, it has to be concealed, even though the rest of Pennsylvania is an open carry state, which in and of itself is a contradiction and anti, you know, unconstitutional. But seeing my friends catch that same case, not because they were bad guys or, you know, or girls, but because they just didn't know the information, you know, and uh, to get a license to carry like 20 bucks. So because of that, um, it was like, okay, there has to be something here. So, you know, we started, you know, digging, doing a little bit of, hey, how do we get that? How, how do we get around that? Or uh, how do we exercise, you know, how do we know the law? And so one thing led to another. Uh, it started to help people. And, you know, out of that, we, we created a license to carry drive. And from that, we, you know, we created an organization called Black Guns Matter. Now, in the black community, there's a there's a stigma about firearms and where guns are actually bad. And I actually run into this myself uh, when you're trying to reach out to the black community. So, you know, did you get any pushback whatsoever? Uh, no, from the hood, not at all. I mean, because everybody in the urban environment understands the difference between what we're doing and, and they see what we're doing because they see the need for it. So from the community, absolutely not. We've gotten overwhelming support overwhelming love and um and positive you know even from you know people that sometimes people in the hood wouldn't say are traditionally funny community law enforcement a lot of law enforcement officers are like yo we like what you're doing with you're dealing with education you're dealing with safety you're dealing with training we like that so we very rarely get any pushback and usually if it does it's from somebody saying something unintelligent on social media and that's not real so but by and large it's mostly love and support i don't you know i don't if it's happening i don't feel it and this is about education. It's about educating people so they know firearms. They know the safety surrounding the firearms. They know all the basics. You know, don't put your finger on the trigger unless you're on target, ready to fire. They know all the laws, how to interact with law enforcement, how not, right. you know, things to do and things not to do when you're being pulled over by the police. Correct? Right. Right. Correct. It's, it's basically a situation where we're giving people the information that uh, the government, to be perfectly honest, local, state, federal, has not been given to people, especially in urban areas. Uh, we're giving people basic understanding of things, you know, that traditionally, you know, in the, in the 30s, these things were taught in school, but it's not anymore, you know, and that's that's deliberate, you know. So we're giving people, we're put it, basically, we're taking people that may have had trauma with firearms in the community, people that have no information about firearms in the community, or um, just, you know, just are, are, are looking to, you know, a little bit curious about firearms in the community, and they're looking to do it the proper way. We put them on that path. We link them with reputable instructors, you know, attorneys, uh, trainers from their community. We gather everybody up, we link everybody up, and we make sure that they foster those relationships. So that's what we do to make sure that, you know, each individual neighborhood or urban area is informing getting caught up to speed because to be perfectly honest 
we're we're kind of we're kind of a little bit late in, in comparison to uh, you know our brothers and sisters in the urban and rural areas. Excuse me, in the suburban and rural areas. So that's really what our agenda is, and, and that's what we're doing. I mean, it seems simple, but it's a really big task because for fifty, maybe even a hundred years, that that has been presented the opposite way. You know, so it's it's hard work, but it's really good work, and and people are supportive of it. All right, and then what about the NRA? Because a lot of people say that you know, well, you know, the NRA is only for you know for white people. <laughs> I hear that all of the time. Um, that's because, and personally, to be perfectly honest, and I, I hate to, you know, I don't, I don't want to, you know, I'm gonna come at them a little bit. That's because their branding is off. The NRAs, in reality, they've had a, a you know, up and down relationship in, in regards to the urban community. Some of the older leadership that co-signed the Mulford Act in California, that again, that that leadership is no longer there. Um, those guys are no longer there, but they, as an organization, they supported policies that weren't, you know, as powerful towards support of the Second Amendment. On the other token, on the other hand, they've had situations where, you know, they supported the deacons of defense. They helped Dr. Martin Luther King, you know, apply, you know, apply for his license to carry or things like that. You know, for years, you know, in the 60s, 50s and 60s, they had the only desegregated firing range in Washington, D.C., so, you know, I think that over time, they because they're such a large organization, they haven't rebranded, in a sense. And because, you know, um, they get attacked so much, they've already committed, the, you know, shown their commitment to the Second Amendment. But because they get attacked so much, you know, I think they could do a much better job of rebranding and showing that, they, hey, we're here from the urban community as well. And I don't want to blame them totally. Sometimes it's that's a hard thing to do. How do you approach a community that, because the opposition, the same people that attack the NRA, are saying, oh, guns are bad, and if that community has, has received that message, how do you reach them? That's why we're here, you know, to, to you know, not lean on the NRA, not attack the NRA, you know, to be objective and critical, as well as, you know, introduce people to other firearm organizations that are fighting for Second Amendment rights. You know, the United States Concealed Carry Association, you know, 2A for everyone. Uh, in Massachusetts, there's Com 2A. You know, there's a gang of other organizations that people locally, you know, on a local and state level can interact with, you know, as well, you know, because it's not just the NRA. So, you know, but as far as people saying, well, the NRA, I'm a member of the NRA. That's I mean, there's no there's no like requirement. There's not like you check the box and, hey, only white people allowed. I think that the opposition, people that would wish to keep people unarmed and uneducated, they promote that falsehood mm. to make people especially in urban areas not go to second amendment organizations and that's why we're here as black guns matter to break that stereotype because it's, it's just it's not really true it's not true yeah because when you look in the history of you know gun culture in america in the united states uh it, it was always you know racist in the beginning and mm -hmm. it was to remove to make sure pretty much that your freed slaves did not have access to firearms yep and that's how the it all started Right. The basis of all gun control is racist, period. I mean, it's like a company. They create a corporation, then you have, you know, subsidiaries. All of these laws that's popping up are subsidiaries of a racist ideology. It's no different than marijuana, uh, you know, prohibition. There was a racist dude that said marijuana makes white women want to sleep with black jazz singers. And that's the basis of all marijuana legislation. They, oh, my God. You can't so, have that. They, I know they banned right. marijuana quick then, huh? <laughs> right. You know, so it's, it has that same ugly. And we, we got to acknowledge that. You got to acknowledge that this came out of, like you said, emancipated, you know, free people that fought for their liberation. You know, now you're coming up with rules 
you know, and, and, and at a certain point, it was okay for, you know, white people at that time to let that happen because of the fact that they didn't feel affected by it. But now over time, ironically, there's encroachment because that's what absolute power does. Mm. When you give too much power to a government, your government, not you working for the government, but the government working for you, you know, when you give that, when that, when that, when it's a 180 there, it starts to encroach. And that's where, you know, infringement happens. And that's what, and that's what has happened over time. So initially, you know, those, you know, women, white males and females from America that allow that to happen because they were in a racist ideology. That's the reality of it. Now it's spread to a point where they're attacking, you know, all American citizens in that sense. And I want some of my, you know, I have conversations with some of my white friends and say that it's no different than crack. Crack was dropped off deliberately in the hood deliberately then it started to spread so now okay we got to do something about it you know and what, what we try to do is to i highlight that not to on a victimization tip but more along the lines of saying hey there is there are things that are deliberately uh placed in certain neighborhoods there's crystal meth is dropped off in y'all neighborhood mm. crack was do- dropped off in our neighborhood preach there is an unseen hand designed to keep us separate and keep us weak we have to come together in order to overthrow the people that will have us be weak and divided. Because that's not really what the concept of America stood for. I know we got some contradictions and we got some ugly history. You know, that's the reality of it. But in order to fix that, you got to deal with it. You know, and by dealing with it and, and, and creating commonalities like the Second Amendment, that's how we break that. And that's how we put hands back in the power of the people, not the opposition. We're talking with Maj Ture. Maj is the uh, the founder of Black Guns Matter. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talking. This is Doug DuBois Jr., Executive Director of the Texas State Rifle Association. You're listening to Michael Cargill and Come and Talk It Radio. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now, here's Michael Cargill. All right, we're on the phone with Maj Ture. Maj Ture is the founder of Black Guns Matter. Also, we have on the phone John Griffin. John Griffin is the editor of The Daily Caller. So let me ask uh, Maj one more question. So, Maj, let's look at the left. You have the the left, you know, they seem to be that that group of people who are always saying, you know, guns are bad, you know, remove guns from here and get guns out of this community, get guns from here. You know, what what are your thoughts to that? Um, I think they're incorrect. I think that Amer- these are the same people that say, oh, America's great. America was fought and created because of firearm. You know, the, they said, hey, we're not doing this Britain thing no more. You know, we want to declare our own independence. And the, you know, the, the, the people that were our overlords at the time said, no, we shot them, period. So you can't on one hand say the thing that was a fan, shot them in self-defense and wanting to create our own thing. So you can't on one hand say, oh, guns are bad, guns are horrible, and then say, and then, you know, practice July the 4th. You can't. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a blatant contradiction. I think that those people say that to keep large amounts of populations unarmed. I think that people forget that the same the left or even the Democratic Party for a very long time was made up, you know, the, the Ku Klux Klan, a large part of that was the Democratic Party. I think how, when you become a study, a, you know, a student of history, and it ain't even got to be ancient history. It could be the last 100, 200, 300 years. Mm. I think that when you see that, you see the, the contradiction. 
And on top of that, when you see the contradiction, you go, oh, okay, I see where the game is at. You know, so when those people say those things, I give them a quick history lesson. That's firearms are there to protect the people from tyrannical government. And then people people like to bring up they like to bring up Dr. Martin Luther King. And they said, Mm -hmm. well, you know, Dr. King uh, preached nonviolence and um, and all this stuff. But then what they failed to remember is Dr. King actually probably had he had an arsenal of firearms. Right. He did. And And he tried Alabama and, and he tried to get his handgun license. He tried to get his license to carry and he denied him most peaceful person on earth now it's funny how that's why that's why history is funny whether you're a, a patriot or a turncoat is a lot of times depending on timelines and if you want or not you know so now it makes sense to because we we believe that we're more evolved and we understand the concept that dr king was on but at that time people were calling him a devil mm. he was a villain at that time you know so we gotta we gotta remember that you know or recognize that but yeah his his, his crib in alabama was the arsenal you know what I'm saying? He got his in the NRA helped him and try to, you know, get his license to carry. You know, unfortunately, he was murdered before then. You know, but people always use that. They just it's, it's no different than they say these things about Dr. King, and then at the same time they say, you know, oh, Republicans are evil, never acknowledging the fact that Dr. King was a Republican. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying that Republicans or Democrats one is the end all be all. It's just it just exposes some of the contradictions or the misinformation that we've been fed. To keep us on a on one side or the other, not unified. I don't I don't think just Republican or just Democrat or yeah. just Libertarian or just Conservative or just whatever. Amen. And all of these Amen things don't that. have to be opposing views. These things can be if you put them all together, you can make more well balanced choices. You know, and so they say these things to keep people because of their emotional attachment to Dr. King, because of the great things that he did. But at the same time, use those as, you know, pull your purse strings to have you thinking that you got to be following one way. And that's not the case. And they leave, like you said, they leave out the part where, oh, yeah, he had a bunch of guns. Oh, yeah, when he was organizing with SNCC, he was very meticulous and very militaristic, you know. So as you, that's where I, I, would, I would recommend that everyone do their own study, do their own research, not just the first two pages on Google. Mm. Go to the last page, read backwards, see what, see what else is there, you know. Find that other information to, to have a more of a well-balanced, well-rounded approach because that's the, the level of uh, separation and, and polarization that we're dealing with right now. You can use that history because we're in it still. You can use that history and see where you know people tried to keep you separated as opposed to unified, and you cannot repeat that same mistake. You know, And you use those great figures from history to apply to your life. You gonna learn today. It's called Black History Month. <laughs> Let me right. bring it to the conversation. John Griffin, the editor of the Daily Caller. John, welcome to come and talk, sir. Michael, thanks so much. It's always a pleasure. Uh, listen, uh, Maj, thanks so much for being willing to talk with me today. I have a couple questions for you pertaining specifically to the mess that's going on in Chicago. And uh, I know you might have sister organizations up there that are working on that. But, you know, with all the division that people say Donald Trump has brought around, I got to go past that and transcend that. I'm looking at the number of tragedies and lives that are being lost because, like you said, Democrats are victimizing good black people in urban areas and telling them that they have no way to protect themselves Mm. except the government. And that's just not true, and you know that. 
What can you tell me about how we fix Chicago? You fix Chicago by getting on the ground like we're doing, getting on the ground, going there. I mean, I went to Chicago. I can't carry in Illinois. I went all through Chicago, all through Illinois. I went to the movies. I ain't had no gun on me. I didn't get killed. The first thing is to understand that these are good communities. You know, there's a small percentage, even if it's a thousand bad guys in Chicago, that's small in comparison to the amount of good, hardworking people in Chicago. And you got to stop looking at everything like a war zone. That's one. Two, you have to lean on your polit- local. Everybody talks about Donald Trump. I'm talking about local. What are your state reps, your city, your, your council person? You know, things like that. These are the things that we have to do to try to knock some of that foolishness out. Because then you can pyramid up. You can have those, you know, put in those those elected officials that are saying, hey, I am pro-gun and I want to overturn this. For example, I want to give a shout to, you know, uh, the, the governor of New Hampshire today. You know, they had their constitutional carry now. That's a governor. I mean, that's still state government. That's not federal. Right. You know, and I think a lot of times what we, what we do is we look to the federal government big government for the answer and like ronald reagan said big government is actually a part of the problem that's ronald reagan saying yes you know you know so i think that how we fix cities like chicago philadelphia new york those areas where there's high homicides based on guns are hand in hand with places to have high uh, you know gun control legislation it's not an accident right because if i'm the guy let me break in just a minute that's the, the problem is you guys in organizations like yours have fought this out in courts and won and yet these cities like Chicago keep telling people, well, we don't care about that court decision at the Supreme Court. We're going to continue to criminalize you if you defend yourself. How do we get around lawless law enforcement? <laughs> Money and violence. That's the answer. And when I mean violence, it could be economic violence. Okay, everybody in Chicago that's not okay with that, you need to boycott Walmart and have Walmart lean on them. That is violent for an economy. That is violent. Mm. Money and violence is what, or just regular violence. I'm not, I'm, I'm, per, listen, America was built on self-defense and firearms. That is a form of violence. Violence yes. is uh, politics by a different means. War, you know. So right now, the level of tyranny and disrespect for human rights via the Second Amendment that we're dealing with, I'm perfectly fine with the people of Chicago saying, we're not shopping anymore until these laws are off of the books. That's the only way that you tend to get people to get your respect when you hit them in the wallet violently mm. you know yeah and then and also uh Maj, i got a couple questions for you because by the way we are on facebook live so okay. i have um johnny c says hey you, you are coming to texas what up, johnny? You- how are you <laughs> you are coming I, you to know, texas i think if this is the same johnny I, I, johnny's on my my uh, facebook yeah i believe so i believe so so yeah. johnny c says hey you are coming to uh, texas for juneteenth right yeah, absolutely. I'll be there for Juneteenth. All right, for June. sure. I want to shout out to uh, Trina Spells. We're coming down to Juneteenth. We, it's, it's on a – well, I don't want to give too much of the, the goodies away, but it's it's going to be at a real surprising location. Um, yeah, because we're supposed to – context is in there and all of that. And we're actually teaming up together. So you're going to give a talk. Uh, I'm going to give a talk. We're getting uh, – we're going to get some other people's uh, – some surprise guests in there to give a talk to, to educate people about uh, gun safety, just gun knowledge and everything. Right, for sure. I think that historic, like doing things like Juneteenth, doing things where it ties into, you know, people of colors, their, their historical value and their rich tradition of firearms in America. Because it wasn't all just, oh, we just gave up and we somebody else had to give us our freedom. No, it's not always like that. You know, that, these are all, you know, components of how, again, going into the other question, how we tie people back into how the people of Chicago, the good people, the urban people in Chicago, 
can handle and overcome these things. The elected officials work for you. And if Harriet Tubman can get hundreds and hundreds of people to the north Mm. with a gun, you know what I mean, and and be willing to do that, I'm pretty sure that the, the hundreds and thousands of hundreds of thousands of people in Chicago that know that what we're talking about is accurate and helps them, I'm pretty sure that these people can overturn some foolishness that shouldn't have been on the books in the first place. We have to have self-confidence in that, in that regard. And I know we come from good soil, so I know we could do it. And I say we because that same city that I'm in, you know, tomorrow or next week, or Chicago is the same city that I'm in when I go home to Philly. It's the same. I'm a, across the country, and I see it's the same level of trick knowledge. I see it. It's the same exact thing. They, they, they don't differ from, you know, the strategy very far. You know, it's just important to make it make people think that being unarmed, firearms are bad. Be unarmed. We as the government will protect you. <laughs> Hitler said the same. Well, Maj Michael, I have to interject here. Uh, the National Guard right now is preparing to be called up uh, by either Trump or by the governor of Illinois uh, to deal with what's going on in Chicago. I don't think I like that any more than you by the sounds of it, because that's just more government. You know, we're going to fix it. We're going to make things safe. Uh, should people scream and shout uh, against that? Should we Should we stand up against the National Guard being deployed? Yes, you should, because it's a thin line and a slippery slope. Very slippery slope. You cannot, you cannot depend on the federal government because, okay, what stops them from saying, well, you, you asked for our help here and we came through. Why can't we help on the, the question of pro-choice? We, the United States of America is a united group of states, each state, each state being their own, uh, for lack of a better term, country, its own republic. And we unify under that one flag. You know what I mean? So when you start going, okay, we, we, we can't help it. I think a lot of that happened when, with, you know, with the Federal Reserve Bank. Everybody's mm-hmm. kowtowing for Fed money instead of creating their own money. You know, so now it's okay. Well, we'll give you this. It's a buy-off. We'll give you this trillion dollars if you do X, Y, and Z. And obviously, I'm paraphrasing on the number, but the point is, we got to stop the marshmallowization of America. Mm. No marshmallows. We in a space where everybody's being real soft. The founding fathers had to build these things from the ground up and defend what was theirs. Each state needs to do the same. So when you say governor of Illinois, oh, we need the National Guard, you're saying that you're not really fit to serve the position that you're in. Mm. You have plenty of state yes. troopers. Yes. State troopers. You have plenty Watch of Katrina. local police. Katrina, guys. I mean, remember Katrina? Remember what happened yep. when they took all the guns and all the crime and rioting? Did, did more people live or did more people die because of that? Exactly. Exactly. And, 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 I, and I stress this to the, to the people. Don't listen. You gotta you gotta tighten your boots and rumble and get informed and get educated. And a part of that you got it has to be holistic. You have to vote out local politicians, which are easy to get out. You have to vote those guys out and girls that are in anti you exercising your human rights. Then from there you'll start to get some traction because then you can tick it up towards the federal government. And then those guys are no, we're not cool with that. If you want this job, if you want this money, you have to do these things. You have to actually be accountable to your constituency. We right. control the government. We've gotten away from that. Our founding fathers knew that. Thomas Jefferson was a genius, and everybody has their contradictions. I'm in Philly right now. Everybody has their contradictions. I got a bunch of stuff wrong with me. However, I know this, and it's the same thing with those guys. They created documents, the Anti-Federalist, the Bill of Rights, the Constitution. The, hey, uh, 200 years from now, somebody might try to be too tyrannical with this power that we give in elected officials. Have these things in place. So the people can check the government 
And that's where we at. And the people in urban environments have to get very confident in that. The Second Amendment means I have the ability to put my government on timeout until we decide how we're going to move forward. You know, and we well, have Michael, to get back Michael, to those areas. Michael, the National Guard ain't in the line. One more question. Sure. All right, go ahead, John. Hey, thanks, Michael. Uh, Maj, just what do you say to people who uh, are feel like everything's okay now because Donald Trump's in office and there's a Republican there? What do you say to people on the opposite extreme who go, well, Trump's there. I guess it's okay if the government does it because it's a Republican. What do you say to a guy like that? I say you're the most foolish person on earth right now. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I say that, you know, it's like saying, hey, you, you want thighs or you want breast on this chicken? It's still mm. a chicken. <laughs> still a chicken. With that being the case, and I like some of this, I like a lot of the things that Trump is about. Obviously, in comparison towards Hillary. Second Amendment alone. Okay, I'm with that. He's a gun guy. You know what I mean? However, I'm not with executive orders all over the place. I'm not. I'm not. And I'm never going to be okay with it. And the whole concept of, oh, well, when one president takes office, they usually do a bunch of executive orders to knock out the ones that the president before. To me, that seems like desensitization to executive orders. We have a system of checks and balances, but that inv- that includes having the people being involved. So if you're one of those people that go, well, you know, Trump's getting it done. Yeah, but how is he getting it done? Because the people that control things are thinking four, five, six presidents ahead of down the line. Mm. It's not, this is chess. It's not checkers. Mm. It's not one move, one move, one move. It's 10 moves ahead. So those people that think that I would say to them, uh, one, Hitler was elected democratically. So we see how that turned out. So giving all of your trust to a person, and again, I do not know, you know, President Trump personally, and I'm not saying that his intention is to be as if, uh, you know, a Hitler in any way, shape, or form. I will be clear on that. But as far as the people, you have to hold every single elected official, whether it's electoral college, whether it's popular vote, I don't care, local, state, federal, all of these people need to be held to our standard. And I don't care if you're a billionaire. Your money doesn't mean that your money doesn't necessarily have to translate into integrity and to the will of the people. So I would yeah. say that to those people. Does this person's movement uh, support the will of the people? And I'm not talking about people just don't like him because he said some things harshly. I'm not talking about, oh, I don't like him because he said X, Y, and Z. One, you're getting those things from snippets and sound bites. And you don't, a lot of stuff is taken out of context. <laughs> so I'm not talking about those people. I'm talking about policies, actions, and deeds. So don't just go, oh, because we like this guy. We had that last time. You know, on, on, in 08, I was so super with Obama. Maybe we'll see some change. I knew that marijuana legalization was going to happen because it's a useless crime. And I knew that, okay, some of the things, that, you know, people in urban areas are going to get some of the, you know, I mean, can we at least get, you know, the, 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 the Rockefeller laws, or, you know, things like that. And the first thing he did was resign the Patriot Act. So oh. I was like, okay, that was a got me. Business you know, as usual. So when we put that much faith into a person and don't hold them to a standard, regardless of if it's right or left, you're giving your power over to the right or the left, not in the hands of the people. So that's what I would say to those people. John, uh, I would I would just totally agree with Maj. I mean, we we've already seen, and I'm I'm a Trump supporter. It's not really a secret, but I I support the Constitution. I support the Bill of Rights above any man, above any woman. And I got to agree with Maj here that even Trump has already authorized the Department of Homeland Security 
to keep that that federal power grab of our, of our election process when there was no proof of a hack. You know, we ended up having DHS take over elections in the last few months, mm-hmm. and nobody's talking about that. So right. I'm, in big, I'm in big agreement with Maj here. Right. I mean, we we got to always remember that the power rests in. I mean, the, the Constitution says it: we the people, not we the government. You know what I mean? And I think that to depress people in urban environments because they're the highest level of dense populations. You know, once you get to like the 10th or 11th city, populations drop dramatically in America. You know what I mean? So if you're trying to control the largest amount of people, New York City, Chicago, Atlanta, Los Angeles, California, whatever, you get these people to, you know, agree with their own, you know, unarming. You know, so I think that we have to make sure that people, especially in those areas, that's why that's our mission, is to target those areas of high population, urban areas. It's not about a race thing. It's about a population thing. There's high levels of people that have been disenfranchised and feel like the power is not in their hands. And that's not the case. It seems like the only time we, 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 we even support an, a red, white, and blue is on, like, July the 4th in the cookout. And the flags are around, or the, you know, the, 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 the fireworks show. The, and that's, that's very limited. You know, when you say, hey, I'm a part of this, I'm an American citizen, I'm going to do my part in the political process. That's a holistic process. And a big part of that is knowing that you as the people locally up to the federal level make the decisions and you elect people to speak in your behalf. One of the biggest things that I think is a huge contradiction is spaces like the Electoral College. A lot of times people don't you don't even know who your delegate is that says, "Okay, we're going to give the states votes to this particular president. There's very little insight into that. And two, on top of that, there's no there's no uh, accountability if everyone in your state says we want this person and you can just as that delegate just say no, I chose this person. Aren't you supposed to be beholden to your actual constituency? And these are other things that are not talked about. You know, and we have to get more involved and when you inform people via second amendment via constitution, via bill of rights in urban areas where it's deliberately been stripped Civics class ain't taught there. When you di- when you have those people misinformed to that extent, it's very easy. It's dominoes after that. You can knock them down real easy. But what we're going to do is inform people about that process and their power in that process. And then hold those people accountable or remove them. Because if you're not in alignment with the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, you are not fit to serve on any level of elected official, in my opinion. And we have to remember what Harriet Tudman once said. She said, I can I freed a thousand slaves and I could have freed a thousand more if only they knew they were slaves. Yep. All right. And so we have John Griffin with the Daily Caller. He's the uh, editor. I want to thank John for uh, for being here today. And I definitely want to thank Maj Ture. You know, Maj, I tell you, we are definitely looking forward to uh, seeing you. Uh, here in Texas, in Galveston, Texas, for Juneteenth. So we can't mm-hmm. wait for that. Yep. And anybody who wants to contact us, um, our uh, uh, Instagram is obviously at Maj2Ray. Um, and I'll send you the actual Black Guns Matter because it's hard to spell. Um, uh, not because it's like weird letters. Okay. Uh, on top of that, if anybody hearing me right now, hearing us right now, wants to support, we do have a GoFundMe page. We are totally funded by the people. It's uh, GoFundMe.com backslash Black Guns Matter. Um, and if you want to, you know, my social media, hit me up. Official Black Guns Matter underscore Maj Ray on Facebook at Maj Ray on uh, Instagram and Twitter. Um, or if you just want to talk, like if you just want to break down on some things, please hit me up. I make myself completely available to everybody in the sound of our voices. And um, let's get this work. Let's, let's do what we got to do.
All right. Thank you, Maj Teray with Black Guns Matter. Thank you, John Griffin, the uh, editor for The Daily Caller. All right. Thanks, y'all. All right. And, and, you know, just like Harry Tudman also said, you know, every great dream begins with a dreamer. Always remember you have within you the strength, the patience, and the passion to reach for the stars to change the world. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk. Yo, what's going on, guys? It's Jack Jones here, and I get my gun news from Michael Cargill on Come and Talk It. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. All right. So we're back and we're talking about constitutional carry. We're breaking down two different bills. We're talking about House Bill 375 and House Bill 1911. Uh, So we're talking about the tail of the tape here. Ding, ding. Okay, let's go. On the left-hand side, I got, well, actually on the left, I got House Bill 1911. On the right, I got House Bill 375. So tell me, uh, which is the better bill, Justin? 375 all day long. Why? Well, because it's actually true constitutional carry. If you're legally allowed to possess the firearm, you can carry that firearm openly or concealed without a permit. Well, some people say that we shouldn't have this debate about the different two, the two different bills. You know, we should just go try to push anything through and see what we can get. Well, here's oh, here's one big difference, and I, I like it is HB 375 constitutional carry actually sets the terms for intoxicated by section 49.01, which actually states that you have the blood alcohol content of 0.08, where 1911 still allows for the term intoxicated to be at the discretion of the police officer. That is awesome. That is awesome. I actually looked it up. I didn't know, but I looked that bad boy up because that's a big difference. If you go have one beer and you get pulled over, you can lose your gun rights forever just, just because you have the license. Exactly. Just because you have the license. Where now they actually have to say, okay, well, he was .07. He's good. You can't strip him of his license. And that, I, I like that because. So you're saying in, in 1911, it's, uh, it, you, it's still left up to the cop's discretion, just like it is currently now. Just like you know that right now, if the cop says you're intoxicated when he pulls you over, you're intoxicated. Where in 375, it actually goes off the term intoxicated that's actually in the penal code 49.01 that actually tells about the alcohol grams and blah, blah, blah in your blood and, you know, actually goes into the scientific stuff. Well, someone, well, someone, well, Justin, please tell me, you know, why aren't more people coming on board with Stickland's bill, House Bill 375? Is it because they don't like Stickland? No, the, what do you, I guess the, my question to you be, what do you mean? We've already got a lot of support behind this. Okay. I mean, if you if you look at the two bills, if you look it up and you, you go, do a Google search, you can clearly see which one's got more attention. 375 definitely has. And when it comes to, to getting bill sponsors and stuff like that, you can't you can't determine whether how much support a bill has by that because we're cautious of who we want to sign on to this bill because we don't, at the end of the day, we only want people that are going to actually fight for this bill, you know, because we don't want people to get on there, put their name on there if, if that's going to be the, the, the very last thing they do for this bill, if that makes sense, Mike. So every gun organization in the states behind this bill, except for a couple one. of them. There's a, there's a couple. Yeah, two. There's, a, there's a couple. Two. Of them. Yeah. Name them. Two. I only think of two. Yeah. Texas Open Carry. 
and Texas Carry, and Texas, Texas Carry, Carry, and Texas State Rifle Association. Those are the two that Texas. are pushing HB nineteen eleven. So just when two. in reality they should have got behind nineteen, or they should have got behind three seventy five, which has been filed since November. What's the, what's the purpose? But why file a totally separate bill late in the game to undermine our efforts? And, and that way, when uh, when when these Republican legislators want to cop out and take a lesser bite of the apple they can go ahead and do this and then they can still claim it's there's a win. too much cleanup work to do in 1911 there's Way a lot too much cleanup of cleanup work, work. yeah and, I mean, one, and once we take that step it's going to be very 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 hard for us to, to get the it water back. so let, uh, let me talk about this one more time then because uh in house bill 1911 that constitutional carry bill there uh we're talking about if you're well for starters you got to be a resident of the state of texas in order to carry a handgun for six months at least six months the meaning if you just moved from any other state and you have a license then you got issues is that correct all right and you got to be at least 20 21 years of age but that, that that's typical that's typical all right and has not been convicted of a felony okay pretty typical but when when i get into 1911 i'm like man you mean it's my goodness, you have the you lose your rights just like a convicted felon. Mm-hmm. Yes. When you when you read into it, because mm-hmm. uh, it says, hey, if you're charged, charged with a crime, not convicted, not just convicted, charged. charged. So if someone charges you with a class A or B misdemeanor, you lose your gun rights for five years. Yeah. I want to I, I want people to, you know, really well, what's, understand what's funny, that. too, is there's only two states that prevent people from convicted uh, people convicted of minor nonviolent crimes from carrying a firearm in self-defense, Texas and California. The worst one of them all. <laughs> yeah. Do we want to be lumped in with California? Because I can tell Ooh. you, I don't. So this bill here pulls us in with California. So, you man, just... we're lining ourselves up with California, boys. Here we go. Uh, California. And, and, and the Yankees are beating us. New Hampshire just got constitutional care. The Yankees are beating we're us. We're getting Come smacked on. around the country by, the... by Yankees. <laughs> all the Yankees. states up north. Wow. Oh, and here just... we are coming up with watered down bills. So Texas is not as gun friendly as I thought. Uh, No. (laughs) Something's going on here, boy. Something's in the water. Well, And what I like about, and I'm not sure about 1911, but I know 375 has the Dutton Amendment, which was a big controversy last session, which uh, basically says cops can't come up to you and just get your ID for you carrying a firearm. Well, now I guess they're going to be able to pull you over and find out whether or not you're late on child support. Ooh. Whether or not whether or not you've paid you've paid your taxes. They know all that anyways, right? (laughs) But my point is they're going to be able to detain you now to find that out. Like they came with license holders? So, yeah, so hold on. So. Let me, uh, uh, you're carrying a handgun? Okay, hold on a second. Let me pull over. Uh, we're going to detain you for a Let's minute. Let's check your we're Facebook. Gonna, I, need, I need to hold on to your gun there, and then also I need to check and see here's, if you... Here's the thing. They could actually go and check your Facebook, because here's, here's actually what it says. You can, be, you can lose your stuff for disorderly conduct for, one, abusive, indecent, profane, or vulgar language that is insightful. Two, ob- offensive gestures that are insightful. Three, creating by chemical means a noxious or unreasonable odor in a public place. That's ridiculous. Four, threatening someone in an offensive manner. So if you're on Facebook and you tell someone, go F yourself, or F off, mm. or piss off, or I don't like you, you're ugly, you stink, and you smell like poop. Bam! <laughs> you lose you lose your life for five years because they wouldn't search your Facebook because and you it's got up to their over. interpretation until it you is. go to court. It's up to any no no no. Even if they charge you for that disorderly conduct, it doesn't matter if you went to court because you still lost it for five years. Mm. So I'm mean, that's just insane. They could literally go look at your Twitter account and be like, "Oh, he said something bad about Obama two years ago." 
I'm gonna go ahead and say that's indecent. <laughs> I, I mean, seriously, where 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 do you draw that line? If you're just gonna say, you know, abusive, indecent, profane, vulgar language. And and I'm uh, telling you, I'm, I'm telling you now. Don't do not wait until we get off. Don't wait until we get off the line, get off the show here, and then you know send us, you know, send me a private message or something like that, saying, well, you know, Mike, you, re, you know, we, we really need you know to wait until we get through the process and get this stuff done. No, this is the time right now. Call me right now and justify why I should support House Bill 1911 because I don't see any reason whatsoever to support this bill. That's like when Pelosi says, "Well, we got to pass the bill to find out what's in it." No, no, you don't. No, you, don't. <laughs> you don't give away the kitchen <laughs> no, sink don't. straight off the bat. You don't. Yeah. We're not going to give you everything and then say, "Oh, yes, a master, can I have some, sir?" No, I'm just not feeling that at all. Mm-mm. Can't do it. Uh, you're going to learn today. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely going to learn today. All right. So um, let's see. Uh, has not been determined to be delinquent in the payment of taxes. Uh, we talked about that. We talked about the child support. Barely though. Do you know that if you're getting a divorce, let's say you get a divorce, yep. and let's say uh, your wife, your she files the paperwork. Do you know that it's customary for the other person that's, you know, the the, the opposite person gets a restraining order? Yes. And you lose People, your rights. And you lose your gun rights. Boom. <laughs> Just like that. That's yep. customary. People don't understand that. that that's how it's, it's, it's SOP, standard operating procedure. So you will lose your gun rights. Hmm. If you're getting a divorce. Yeah, Absolutely. So I just you might want to read what's going on out there. These people are losing their minds filing bills like this because uh, they definitely do not have your best interests in mind. This is uh, if you're going to reach out to younger generation, if you're trying to get you know other people involved in your organization, you might want to listen to what the other people have to say, listen to what their concerns are, and that's the only way you're going to build your organization. You're not going to build your organization by pushing these old hat deals. And stop uh, playing games. Exactly. We, we see right through it we know it's games you know what i'm saying that's that's what that's what i don't think they've caught on to is that we understand this and we know it's a big game and, and we're, we're tired gonna of hammer it. this every single weekend we're gonna <laughs> hammer this every single week we're gonna talk about this until this bill disappears and goes away and there's no way you're gonna shut us up because we're gonna let you know that house bill 1911 i can't even wipe my butt with it that's just how <laughs> bad it is i don't even want to use this toilet paper it's it's terrible. Yeah, it is. It, and we're uh, we're talking about constitutional care. We're breaking down the the two bills. Talking about House Bill nineteen eleven. We're talking about House Bill three seventy five. We're talking about the tail of the tape. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. This is Maj Toure. You're listening to Come and Talk at Radio with Michael Cargill. Welcome back to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill. We're talking all things firearms. Now, here's Michael Cargill. Now it's time for GGN, Global Gun News. Global Gun News, sponsored by Central Texas Gunworks the largest online gun store in Texas. In the news, New Hampshire is living free on gun rights. New Hampshire has become the newest state to legalize constitutional carry. Governor Chris Sununu, son of one of the state's past governors, John H. Sununu, has signed Senate Bill 12 into action, which legalizes carrying a concealed firearm without a permit. The bill bridges the gap of a legal foot trap as well. 
Now, open carry in New Hampshire has never been regulated in the past by requiring a permit. But if one should dare cover the firearm with a jacket, a shirt or other garment or conceal it with any other means, including carrying it into a vehicle, it would be a crime. Senate Bill 12 takes this legal walk around of the table to so citizens don't have to dance around the gun laws in New Hampshire to exercise their rights. The governor spoke in the council chamber saying this is about making sure that our laws on our books are keeping people safe while remaining true to the live free or die spirit. In the past, two similar bills have made its way to former Governor Maggie Hassan, only to be vetoed. Maryland's assault weapons ban. As the actions of a mentally disturbed individual at the massacre of an elementary school in Newtown, Connecticut, a legislative response from Maryland went into place, effectively creating an, quote, assault weapons ban, the Firearms Safety Act of 2013, justified its restriction of the described, quote, large capacity magazines and semi-automatic rifles. Of course, was that they are weapons of war with no civilian use. After it was instituted, senior heads at Beretta expressed concern and considered moving out of state. A few years later, a lawsuit began in the case of Colby v. O'Malley, in which District Judge Blake ruled that AR-15s fall outside of the Second Amendment as dangerous and unusual arms. Blake's decision was later done away with by the Fourth Circuit Court 2-to-1 ruling, citing that those described, quote, assault weapons were, quote, so common that they are standard, end quote. Not to be outdone, earlier this week, the full panel of the Fourth Circuit Court ruled against the previous decision, stating, We concluded contrary to the now-vacated decision of our prior panel that the banned assault weapons and large-capacity magazines are not protected by the Second Amendment, end quote, wrote Judge King. Baltimore Taser Ban Baltimore officials and their officers have been ordered to refrain from enforcing the city's bans on tasers, stun guns, and other electronically controlled devices. Since 2004, Baltimore residents and visitors have been restricted from using, possessing, transferring, selling, or renting any, quote, electronical control devices. With a conviction carrying a fine up to $1,000 and a maximum of six months in prison. Howard County residents filled a combined lawsuit against Howard and Baltimore County. U.S. Chief Judge Blake signed the order placing a 90-day probation on the ban while more a formal repeal could be put into place. The laws will not be enforced by law enforcement and the court and attorney fees of the plaintiffs, which has been said to be at the five-figure mark, will be paid for. The lead plaintiff on the case, Leah Elizabeth Baran, is a domestic abuse survivor who was the focus of the article written by the Washington Post. In the article, she expressed her fear for her safety and life after her ex threatened to kill her if he ever went to jail. Brandt also happens to be an ER nurse 
and has tried to get a permit to carry her handgun, but the request was still pending as of earlier this month. Over in New Mexico, earlier this month, after multiple break-ins, a business owner in Albuquerque, New Mexico, decided to stand watch over his shop himself. In the middle of the night, while the owner of Alderson's Automotive slept, James Jake broke a window and tried to get to the cash register. The business owner got up and grabbed his AK-47 and headed for the noise. When he came face-to-face with the robber, he fired one shot, striking Jake in the thigh and stopping the incident and his attack. Jake was treated for the injuries and arrested and charged with burglary. After causing thousands of dollars in damage, Jake claimed he was only stealing the money to pay for his children's diapers. Listen, as another local business employee talks about crime in the area. It's kind of our job, too, to watch each other's back, to watch our neighborhoods. You know, how many times can you let someone come into your yard, you know, if it was your backyard? After a few times, you're going to want to protect your property, too. And that is your Global Gun News Report for this week of February 2017. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. All right. So we're back and we're talking about now let's talk about current events, you know, because I'm, I'm, I'm tired of discussing that lousy 1911. I want to I need something that's going to pick me up and make me happy. You know, we get knocked down. We're going to get back up again and we're going to let's talk about something positive here. So on Truth About Guns on their website, uh, they have a story that that's talking about what? Well, the uh, the good old Fourth Circuit. They went ahead and did, you know, the whole little Maryland's gun ban talking about how the AR-15s are not protected by the Second Amendment. Well, it looks like Trump is proposing an executive order that will basically designate the term of a militia and militia rifles and, and whatnot. And it's the purpose is to, to protect the United States because the Constitution allows us to do that. <clears throat> so... I mean, he's saying the policy is of the executive branch is to support and defend the Constitution, including the Second Amendment, to keep the citizens be able to bear arms. But he goes into the definitions of militia and unorganized militia, self-defense, community, state, and everything else about it. And this basically is saying that militia rifles here you go quote militia rifles shall mean the firearms designated in section four that are made in america and suitable for the use in self-defense community defense defense of states and defense of the nation so basically he's just making the term yeah the ar-15 and semi-automatic rifles to include flash suppressors bayonet lugs magazines of up to 30 round capacities m7 bayonets and ammunition of 556 nato 223 remington in all quantities it goes on to include the M M1A, the M1 Garant, bolt action rifles, and the list could be expanded or replaced to have more of a broad definition. So he's basically saying that all these rifles that the Court of Appeals is saying, or the Fourth Circuit is saying, that is not protected by the Constitution. Well, now he's lumping it into militia rifles, so that way it will be guaranteed to be protected by the Constitution. <laughs> That's pretty awesome, man. Because <laughs> well, my only issue is when you get so specific, specific like that, and you're talking about you know actual models and stuff. You know, next thing you know, something else comes out, and uh-huh. they're going to claim that it's not part of it. You know what I mean? That's my, that's my only thing. That's why I think it should be left 
kind of broad and it should just be any 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 gun you can get your hands on should any be considered gun. a militia weapon you know what i'm saying any so when gun. you start yeah exactly so that's kind of my complaint about it <laughs> I, I tell you uh, there's a there's another story that's on there. The Austin bars provide gun-free haven for UT grad students and platform to, to have their classes and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So they're, they're conducting like some classes, meetings, and crap. Your yeah. University of Texas professors are conducting some of their classes in the bars. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the bar that's located on the UT campus because they they they're doing that because they said, hey, uh, you can't care. All right, so you can't carry a gun inside of a bar. So that's the reason they're doing that. But you know what I did? I'll tell you what I did. As soon as one of the reporters called me, uh, I went to that bar and I brought my my uh, my security, my bodyguard with me. And mm-hmm. so my bodyguard, he can carry a gun in the bar. So, you know, and then I, you know, and I, I wish they go to one of the bars that I know of. One, I know the owner, you know, because I know the owner, the manager, you know, only one at a time can have a gun in the bar. So if you truly think that you're going to be anywhere in the state of Texas where no guns are allowed. You're highly misguided. All right. So let me welcome to the show. Sam. Sam is. um in Galveston, Texas, and I want Sam to talk to us about uh, Juneteenth, and also he has a property that he owns down in, in Galveston, and I want him to you know, kind of tell us about that. So Sam, tell, us, tell everyone about you first, and then tell us about Juneteenth, and then tell us about that property. All right. Uh, this is Sam Collins, and I'm actually in Hitchcock, which is about 12 miles from Galveston. Okay. But Galveston is the birthplace of Juneteenth. Uh, some know, know the history of uh, uh, Juneteenth, June 19th, 1865. Of course, uh, that's when Gordon Granger came to Galveston and made the announcement that the slaves in Texas were free. Uh, it's not that the individuals here didn't know that the Emancipation Proclamation had been passed. It's just that the slave owners and property owners didn't recognize that because Lincoln, uh, because of the Confederacy, was not recognized as the president, at least the the Confederate states didn't recognize this authority. So that's how we get to Juneteenth. So in 2005, my wife and I purchased a historic property that was once owned by a Confederate soldier, Mr. Henry Martin Stringfellow. And one of the first things that I wanted to do uh, when I started the restoration was have a Juneteenth celebration on the property. Uh, so we bought it December 15, 2005. We had our first Juneteenth celebration on June 17th. Uh, 2006. Uh, we had several hundred people attend. We had co-sponsors, and we've been doing it every year since then. Uh, the only times that we have not been on the property is if uh, we had inclement weather uh, and was unable to be there, but we have a celebration every year, and we're looking forward to this year's celebration and the uh, Black Guns Matter Tour and uh, welcoming everybody to Galveston County. Uh, did you have any more uh, specific questions that you wanted me to answer around Juneteenth? Or, a- absolutely. Uh, so there's going to be a parade, um, and I know we're going to have the African American Gun Club. That's uh, we're actually going to do an open carry walk. Uh, well, we're actually going to you know open carry doing the parade, and I think they we they that was done last year, and I wasn't a part of that last year, but I'm definitely going to be there this year. I'm already making my plans right now to take part in the open carry march down in Galveston, Texas for Juneteenth. You tell us a little bit more about that, you know, the time, what time does the parade usually start? What day is the parade going to be on and all that stuff? Yeah, right now the the first parade in Hitchcock is at 10 o'clock that morning. We're still working on the time for the Galveston parade. It will likely be uh, that afternoon or evening because they had started doing uh, fireworks in the evening. Uh, so they try to have a, a evening parade and then end with fireworks. Uh, 
Um, so we're so going to so parade will be 10 o'clock that morning. Okay, so we're going to start in Hitchcock first, and then we'll go over to Galveston. Yes. Okay, all right. So, all right, so that, that's good to know. That way I, I make my appropriate hotel plans, because i got to bring my dogs and all that stuff. I bring the whole family, my whole entourage. So I need to... <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, hotels, just for those listeners that plan to attend, hotels on the mainland, uh, which is before you get into Galveston, are cheaper in Texas City. Uh, so you may want to try to, uh, uh, you know, if you want to be on the island, that's great. But the uh, summertime in June is just it's just higher in, in on the island. Uh, the hotels uh, on the mainland in Texas City will be much more uh, uh, reasonable, and it's only ten miles or so into Galveston from Texas City. Yeah, I think that's what we're going to end up doing. I actually do want to stay on the. On on the island there, because I I like to walk my dog. Well, I don't think you can walk dogs on the beach anymore, can you? Uh, I don't know what the rules are on, on the on the beach, but I know people have dogs on the seawall. Okay, all right, and um and tell us a little bit more about the property uh, that you have. Yeah, uh, it's a nine and a half acre estate. The home was built in eighteen eighty four for Mister and Miss Stringfellow. Um, they had one son, Leslie. Um, that died in 1886. That was their only child, so they had no no heirs after that. Uh, they eventually sold the property and moved back to Galveston in 1894. The property has gone through about uh, four owners. Uh, the family we bought it from actually purchased it in February of 1920, and they owned it until December of 2005, 85 years, almost 86, wow. until we purchased it. And um, that family had three children, uh, Johnny, Clara, and Alice, and we purchased it from the youngest daughter, now, uh, any, Alice, who was 85. Any ghost on the property? Well, that that's an interesting question <laughs> because uh, Mr. Stringfellow's son, Leslie, they used to have seances upstairs at 7 o'clock every night. Mm. So uh, I was originally, uh, uh, when I first bought the property, uh, you know, I would hear, hear noises. I found out it was just a raccoon in the attic. It wasn't any, any ghosts. And then I went out to the gravesite of where Leslie was um, buried and uh, told him, I'll come visit you. You don't have to come visit us. But they did just have seances. And there's a book called The Afterlife of Leslie Stringfellow mm-hmm. that was written by a librarian at the University of Arkansas, Stephen Chisholm. That kind of talks about the family. But Mr. Stringfellow, uh, during the time that he was there, uh, former enslaved individuals were making 50 cents a day working uh, after slavery ended. He paid all his men a dollar a day. Uh, the economic impact of that is still being felt by descendants that still own property that was born that was bought back in the 1880s and 1890s. Oh wow! Uh, one of the descendants, the Bell, uh, or one of the families, the Bell family, uh, they came back in 2008 and probably had uh, close to a couple of hundred people come out to one of our Juneteenth celebrations. So they came back to the property. And in Mr. Stringfellow's book, The New Horticulture, he talks about Frank Bale, uh, their ancestor, uh, working there. And what's interesting about that is that he actually named him in the book and didn't just list him as that colored boy or colored man that worked for him. He actually gave him a name so that way I was able to link the family to the property because I knew if he paid twice as much, and I tell anybody, whatever industry you're in, whatever the average salary is, if you doubled that, would it make a difference in your life, whether you're a teacher, an engineer, financial advisor, cook? If you got twice as much as the average, um, that's probably a location you would want to work. So 
So uh, he had 30 men working there that were all making a dollar a day. So when you hear that saying, another day, another dollar, that started in Hitchcock, Texas. Wow. And so that's uh, that's Sam Collins III, and Sam is the, uh, can I say caretaker or owner? Uh, the owner. Uh, uh, my wife and I, uh, you know, that's interesting, too, in the state of Texas. It only takes one signature to buy. And my wife didn't really want to buy this location, but the uh, other part of that equation in the state of Texas, it takes two signatures to sell. So now she controls all the power. Uh, <laughs> so originally she didn't want it, but after we started working on it, uh, uh, she wanted, we both want to keep it. But, you know, uh, we're working uh, now uh, to try to figure out if, we, if we're going to be able to maintain and keep the property and, and do a, a strength fellow learning center there in Hitchcock. Uh, we have four kids. Uh, we may uh, look at selling it and, and moving on, but we're trying to uh, keep control of the property and make it available to the community for different events, educational events, programming, weddings, uh, reunions, and other events. I, I actually run my business out of the property right now, which I'm a financial advisor. I've uh, been there in the community for 17 years in the Galveston County area first with Edward Jones, Merrill Lynch, and then almost in April will be five years working for myself. All right. And I tell you what, thank you very much, uh, Sam, for joining us today. That's Sam Collins, folks. Uh, Sam Collins III, uh, he's the owner, uh, along with his wife, of the Stringfellow Orchids. Uh, in Orchards. 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 And I want to definitely thank you for coming on the show today. And yeah. I look forward to for I look forward to meeting you and seeing you for the Juneteenth celebration and also for our open carry march. Uh, open carry walk with the... Um, uh, African-American Gun Club, and also Black Guns Matter. Thank you, sir. All right, thank you. And like I said, that was Sam Collins III. Uh, he's the owner of the Stringfort, Stringfellow Orchids. Uh, is the rebirth of Stringfellow Orchids began in December 2005. Is a world-renowned horticulturist. Uh, Heron Martin Stringfellow operated his orchids at this location in the late 1800s. And we are going to go down there for Juneteenth, June 19th, and do an open carry march uh, with the uh, the Juneteenth celebration, with, like I said. And this is how you reach out to the community. Reach out to those people who don't normally, you know, get introduced in a positive way to, uh, to the firearm community. And this is what we're doing. We're reaching out around the state, reaching out around the country, this nation, uh, to those groups of people who are not normally... Um, uh, we don't ask them to step up to the mic and talk about, you know, the gun culture. And that's that's what we're doing today. And that's what we're going to do in Juneteenth down in Galveston, Texas, uh, for that celebration. It's going to be a nice open carry march. And that's what it's all about. And as always, more guns equals less crime. Go out and buy yourself a gun. You've been listening to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill. Hey 
everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.